Digging deeper into the day's top stories, you're listening to Jeff Andreas on 610 AM News Talk and RadioNL.com. Welcome in to the Jeff Andreas Show. Thanks for tuning in here with me today. It is Thursday, May the 21st. Got a good show lined up for you here today. I, I caught up this morning with BC Health Minister Adrian Dix. We talked about the use of masks, border concerns, the need to balance the resumption of scheduled surgeries with the need to keep hospital beds available for COVID-19 patients and more. So I'll be playing that chat for you here in just a little bit. And to end off today's show, I am set to be joined by the past president of the Kamloops Legion, Craig Thompson, to talk about today's ceremony at the Kamloops Airport to honor Captain Jennifer Casey, who of course died tragically in a plane crash here over the weekend. Uh, Thompson was also today's master of ceremonies and he will join me to close out the hour. But but, uh, to kick things off here today, well, I wanted to bring in our producer here at Radio NL, Kurt Appleby. He was down at this morning's ceremony. Kurt, uh, first, thanks for taking the time here. Appreciate it. Yeah, no problem, Jeff. So, uh, of course, I was watching the online video stream that was uh, you know, made available by the Kamloops Legion here on their Facebook page, but I'm sure not everyone listening had the chance to uh, you know, take those, those half hour, basically, or so of time to, to watch it. So just wondering if you could maybe start by painting me a picture of sort of what, what you saw while you were down there. Yeah, a, a whole lot of heartache, to, to be honest here, Jeff. There was a lot of uh, dignitaries that sort of, I, I made my way uh, here about 10.30 for, and I don't think it kicked off till about uh, 11.05 or 11.10 because the, the, the word that we were hearing here was there were thousands of people watching online from as far away as the UK. And uh, uh, to, to be here from the very beginning, you would have seen um, Mounties in Red Surge. You saw the fire department here at the airport walk up you saw the ambulance color guard you saw a color guard you saw rocky mountain rangers uh they were here from obviously the, the group in kamloops but quinell 100 mile house clear water pretty much everywhere around the region even the entire uh, um kamloops airport screening uh, officers were here as well um you saw a few reefs being laid the um, the wind did provide provide a little bit of difficulty i tweeted out earlier that uh if it weren't for the wind you would have heard a pin drop and you, you know you're not used to hearing um even those two minute silences be that quiet but it was indeed here and and as there was a warning for for the public to stay away um I don't think there was any anybody in their right mind thought, thought that that would actually happen. If, if you've seen uh, how Kamloops has responded to this tragedy over the last few days, I, I would have put it around 75 members of the public here. Yeah, I was going to ask about that as well, because obviously they, they closed it off to the public to try to reduce the numbers of people that would be in attendance. I mean, uh, when, when I was talking about this with uh, Howie here earlier today, um, we just talked about how, you know, I was almost surprised that they didn't close it off to the public in the first place because of the support we've seen just over the course of this last four, five, six days. We've seen the memorial grow. It takes, what, like a four or five minute walk just to walk along the fence line and see how big this memorial for the Snowbirds and Captain Casey has, has grown. Um, so I wasn't surprised to eventually see them close it off to the public. I mean, was there any issues with, with numbers of people? I mean, it looked like people were, for the most part, uh, well-distanced. We saw a lot of masks, and it felt like everyone was very respectful. Yeah, I'd, I'd say that, uh, too, Jeff, that uh, uh, there were police on hand, um, armed police with, with rifles standing guard. Everyone felt pretty safe. 
Um, but uh, there was a public viewing gallery here, and 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 they were sort of shepherded in. They were uh, sort of bordered bordered the ceremony here at the roundabout, but but moved all into uh, same place, the same place. And and yeah, social distancing distancing was was not a problem. And you mentioned that uh, tribute out of the airport, Jeff. I was there a couple of days ago, and I would have put it at four minute walk. Uh, I put it at slightly more now. Um, it seems like it would be twice as long as it was the other day. It, um, and if it was, I, I, I measured it off at about 200 meters. It's probably closer to four now. And uh, I wanted to ask, too, because I know you had a chance while you were down there to, um, you know, talk to some of the people who were involved. I, I see that you spoke to um, Kamloops Legion President Daniel Martin. I just, what, what was some of that, you know, uh, emotion that you were hearing from him? Like when you had that conversation, um, just can you tell me a little bit about what was said? Yeah, it was a. Well, I started off by asking him why was this so important, and and he said almost as as soon as not as soon as the incident happened, right? But in the hours following, and they were getting calls, um, and he was he's been responding to calls and emails from the public and asking him, asking the legion what they're going to do uh, for for all this, and so it, the wheels were in motion pretty quickly, and. And uh, it wasn't too difficult to wrangle everybody up, but it was a lot of tediousness uh, for them. And and uh, but the overlying, um, you know, picture here, or what, what you're going to take away from this, is just the outpouring of support from from the public. And and you know, there's been uh, the Snowbirds were an operation inspiration, and and you can think about whatever you want now for for how that sounds but if you're going to take any inspiration out of any of this jeff it's going to be for how this community has responded uh, to this tragedy and 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 how inspiring that really is yeah yeah definitely a, a good way to put that kurt uh, you know operation inspiration uh, you know meant to, to fly across the country to help inspire people and and really bring us together through this terrible time this covid 19 pandemic that we're going through and you know it has brought us together maybe not in the way that it was initially intended to but it has ended up having um you know that sort of movement here in in kamloops i, I assume you're still down um at uh, at the airport now and i was just wondering if you could maybe paint a picture of of, of what the action is like right now i mean it's been about uh, half hour, 45 minutes or so since uh, things kind of wrapped up in terms of this morning's ceremony. Is there still activity going on there right now? Uh, I, just as you asked, as you say that, one person did roll up and it looks to be taking a picture uh, just as a member of the public, but I'm probably the, the last one here except for the wreaths and, uh, and a few of the flags still stuck in the ground here. Yeah, okay. Well, uh, thanks so much for uh, going down there and covering this, Kurt. It's, uh, you know, not not an ideal uh, thing to be uh, having to, to cover. And I, I know I talked yeah, earlier in the week with uh, Jason Hewlett, who does some work on this show once in a while, and he talked about how difficult it has been to, to cover these types of events in the past. And, and you've been down there quite a bit. So uh, just from your own point of view, before I let you go, Kurt, just, you know, how, how are you feeling about all of this? Just what has your mood been like? And how has it sort of maybe been, been swinging here over these last three, four days as you've been down to the scene of the accident itself you've been down to the memorial and now you were a part of today's ceremony just you know how, how have you felt through all of this and how have your emotions been impacted yeah it's a, it's a good question jeff and uh i have talked quite a bit about it and uh, is it, and I, I i try not to struggle for words it sucks when you're struggling for words when you work in radio 
because uh, we don't like dead air. But um, I wouldn't say move, there's been a, a swinging of emotions, and and every once in a while you're you're listening or you're watching something, and and it's you're trying to fight back those tears, and 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 you, you might not even or I, I don't even really know why. I know I, I grew up in a, a military household, so this and and grew up watching the snowbirds, and and I really do, and and people are calling for. Um, for them maybe to, to step back and, you know, the aircrafts aren't safe and, um, and everybody you talk to, and it's, it couldn't be further from the truth. And, and, and these, the snowbirds, they really do bring the community together and they bring the whole country together. And I think if, if this last, uh, few days has, um, uh, proven anything, it's that, you know, we need, we need more of this. We need, we need more of this. And, and what they're doing is in, inherently da- dangerous. And, and, and I talk about sucking back the tears and, when the when uh, I don't know if it was Ken Christian, but uh, but or Craig, Craig Thompson, but but somebody mentioned this this was the uh, brainchild. This Operation Inspiration was a brainchild of, of Captain and Jen Casey, and and I couldn't think of a, a worse way to to, um, to to tribute her than to say shut it all down uh, because there's no way that and I, and I only talked to her once in setting up an interview with the Snowbirds leading up to their performance in Kamloops, but from everything that you hear, you. Uh, that would be the last thing that she would she would probably want, and 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 just for, as a community to keep going and keep being inspired, and 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 you know maybe maybe <laughs> think about it just a, a little bit extra here. But as far as my emotions are, are going, I'm I'm happy to be down here, and I'm happy, and I'm you know I'm not happy to be covering the story, but it's, it's a part of our duty, especially mm-hmm. as we all live here in Kamloops. Well, Kurt, uh, thanks so much for, for taking the time to come on here. Appreciate it. And, and thanks so much for the work that you've been doing here and, and covering the story here today and getting some great pictures as well. So really appreciate that. And uh, thanks for helping to uh, kind of set the scene here of what we saw this morning. Really appreciate your time. Yeah, no problem, buddy. Talk to you soon. All right. That's uh, Kurt Appleby, our producer here at uh, Radio NL. And like I said, he was at the scene. He took he took a whole bunch of pictures. You can uh, check them out on his Twitter page. Uh, Radio NL's Twitter page has also been uh, retweeting them, but you can also find Kurt at uh, Caps32 on Twitter. So you can see some of the videos and some of the pictures as well. Um, really, really helps uh, get across the message of, of just what we're feeling here in Kamloops here today um, as we go through and we honor Captain Jennifer Casey. It was a very moving and hard warming ceremony and uh, we heard from Mayor Ken Christian as well who announced that there is going to be some sort of plan in the future to uh, to you know really honor the snowbirds and the work that they do at a time suitable the city of Kamloops will create a memorial to recognize the contribution of the snowbirds their cherished uh, Canadian icons that have been with us for 50 years and we will make an appropriate memorial to their service to this country. Yeah, so uh, obviously this is something that has brought the community together, like I said, not in a way that necessarily we wanted to be brought together, but it has definitely had that effect, and we will uh, see how uh, this the city helps take it even further and, and remembers this moment for a long time by setting up some sort of memorial. It'll be interesting to see what that looks like, and I'm sure something we will all uh, want to see and be a part of when indeed that does happen. All right, well, uh, I'll be having more on this ceremony. I'm going to be speaking with past president of the Kamloops Legion, Craig Thompson, here later in the show, so stick around. And we'll get a little bit more from him. But coming up next, like I mentioned, I uh, spoke earlier today with the Minister of Health for British Columbia, Adrian Dix. So I'll be playing that chat for you here after this. But i got to take a quick break, so stick around. And the Jeff Andreas Show will be right back. 
The voice of your community. Radio NL 610 AM News Talk and RadioNL.com. Here's Jeff Andreas. Welcome back to the Jeff Andreas Show, and thanks for being with me here on Thursday, May the 21st. I am joined on the phone now by BC's Minister of Health, Mr. Adrian Dix. Minister Dix, how are you today? Good morning, Jeff. Hey, thanks so much for taking the time. Really appreciate you being here. Um, so first question, yesterday, no daily briefing. And, uh, you know, just from what I'm guessing, it's sort of a bit of a winding down of just how often these are going to happen. They're going to keep happening. But just why is it feeling like now is an appropriate time to start having fewer of these news conferences? Well, we're not having many fewer. I think we're doing uh, four this week. Um, what happens on Wednesday, I think the Premier gives a briefing, uh, his one, once-a-week briefing at 1.15 on Wednesday. Okay. So we thought we'd, uh, we'd give the media a break yesterday and, uh, and uh, just do that briefing. We did provide, though, all the information we provide with respect to cases at 3 o'clock, and we're going to be continuing to do that as well. So the key is to keep people informed, uh, and we're going to be doing a briefing today at 3 o'clock. We did one so Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday this week, which is quite a few, mm-hmm. and um, and we're going to keep uh, keep keeping people informed. We've been doing these, I think, for seventeen weeks now. And it feels feels like it feels like quite a while, and uh, we're going to keep doing. It. Okay, perfect, fair enough. Um, I guess we'll just let uh, Premier John Horgan, I guess, have his day here yesterday. Um. Well, well, yeah, I th- I think it was it was useful, and, you know. To, to a degree, um, the nature of this has changed uh, mm-hmm. in an important respect. We've gone from phase one and f- to phase two. And there are very significant questions continuing on healthcare. I mean, we um, we can anticipate a second surge of COVID-19 if we look at the history of pandemics. That's certainly true. So we have to prepare for that and continue to flatten the curve in healthcare. But obviously, there's some very significant economic issues um, that uh, everyone's dealing with that are maybe the most significant economic issues that uh, our communities have faced in my lifetime. Um, so just building off of, of kind of following up with pre- Premier John Horgan's uh, news or yesterday, one of the things that he did talk about was that BC could be developing its own paid sick leave program, but he does insist the federal government should be taking the lead on such an effort, but I just feel like it is a, a critical piece to have some of these programs in place in order for people to properly, you know, heed the advice of a provincial health officer and not go into work sick if you're feeling at all unwell. Um, so I just wanted to kind of ask about, uh, you know, how you feel about the fact that BC and, and our Premier here is is willing to take on uh, these paid sick leave programs. If the federal government doesn't come to the table, then it still looks like our provincial government's going to be there. How critical do you think these types of programs are to make sure that people are staying home if they're feeling unwell? Look, first of all, it should be national because, and if anything tells us that this is a country together, uh, it's this thing here. If what happens in Ontario and Quebec, given that we're a country and people travel back and forth in that country, what happens in Ontario and Quebec and Nova Scotia and Alberta, it matters here. So it should be a national, we, we need to look at these things in national terms to ensure that to, we um, we uh, stop the transmission as much as possible of COVID-19. I mean, one of the key principles, though, is not to go into work sick. And uh, I know it's difficult, even in the absence of such policies, but people 
have to not go into work sick. It's critical um, for all of us and for the safety and so that there's a responsibility both for employers and employees to make sure that doesn't happen and make adjustments in their businesses to make sure that that happens. And so I think um, the issue the Premier is talking about is a, is a very, very important issue. We've seen it and we've seen it in the way um, the virus can spread in individual workplaces. Um, and so the largest outbreak in BC, for example, is at the Mission um, uh, Institution. Uh, it affected both guards and prisoners. In that case, 134 um, uh, cases. The, we had a very large um, uh, outbreak at a dental conference, which affected 87 people directly and many more indirectly. So, the, and and of course, we've had some in terms of uh, chicken chicken uh, processing plants in both Vancouver and in Coquitlam in the in Metro Vancouver showed the same things. So all of these show. That, that that is very important to stay home when you're sick. And so anything we can do to help that, I'm for. Um, one of the things, too, that uh, I think has been getting some attention here in B.C., at least from the people I have talked to, is just the, the issue around masks. And there just seems to be, I'm not going to say it's a significantly different message, but a little bit of a different message coming from Dr. Bonnie Henry as compared to Dr. Teresa Tam. Yesterday, she started recommending that people start wearing masks in public, where uh, Dr. Bonnie Henry has kind of been more on if you can't physical distance and you're in some of those, you know, transit or a small store where you just can't have the ability to, to properly physical distance that amount would be good in those situations, but not necessarily recommending it for just daily, uh, you know, use. So I, I just wanted to know if there is any uh, concern that there isn't a, 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 a straight line message, I guess, coming from both our provincial health officer and our federal health officer. Well, two things. One, um, sometimes the advice does evolve, right? And we don't want people just to stick to one point of view as the evidence changes, right? So we, we want to get the best advice. And, uh, and that doesn't mean sticking to the same thing if you see evidence changing. So I think we have to accept the fact that sometimes advice will change. Um, and in fairness to Dr. Tam, I think that's important to recognize. Uh, I think from the beginning, I mean, I've been standing um, uh, not beside, but in the, in, in, in the room with Bonnie Henry as she's given uh, presentations over the last 17 weeks. And, and what she's consistently said about masks is this, that masks, non-surgical masks can be useful in protecting other people. Right? They can be useful, but they're not a replacement for more important things. The most important thing we can do, aside from not going to work and going to school sick, right, is to stay physically distant, right? And and sometimes I've observed, as I live my life in the world during this pandemic, that sometimes people wearing masks don't observe physical distance because they think they're somehow protected from needing to do that. The most important thing is physical distance. Things like administrative or engineering changes, limiting the number of people in the store or having plexiglass, they're valuable and really important because they stop the links of transmission. Uh, and wearing a, uh, um, a non-medical mask can be useful in protecting other people and where physical distancing uh, can't be maintained. And that's something that Dr. Henry has said from the beginning. But I think that, um, uh, you know, I think over time, um, we haven't, uh, you know, over time, the advice has, has evolved a little bit and the importance of it's evolved. Here's, here's what I think, though, is really important. I think a lot of people, and this is natural, it's natural for me, it's natural for you, it's natural for everyone, wants a silver bullet, right? If we just wear masks, we can do everything we did before. Well, that is not the case. It's not going to be the case. 
we're in a new normal. We have a pandemic without a vaccine and without a cure, which means that we have to change our behavior, physical distancing and staying home with their sick and washing your hands all the time. These are our tools to live in the world with COVID-19. Okay. Um, yeah, I guess there is that fear of a false sense of security that could potentially come with, uh, with I guess, a mass wearing of masks. And I, I can understand like- that. If I could suggest to your uh, listeners, because mm-hmm. it doesn't come from the government, there's an article by a guy named Dr. Davidicus Wong, who writes in uh, in the Burnaby Now, which I think is a Glacier Media paper, uh, and he wrote a really good article arguing, talking about both the risks and the advantages of masks, and I recommend that to people if, uh, if they're interested in reading. I don't want to recommend another media source there on EGF, but I think that's a really useful one coming from someone who's a doctor in the community. All right. Well, I'll, uh, I'll take a look at that myself. I appreciate the uh, suggestion. Um, I did want to ask a little bit while I had you two about surgeries, because as we're moving into phase two, of course, there is a ramping up of, of scheduled surgeries starting to uh, you know be back in operation. We're seeing more people start to get those, of course, much needed surgical procedures done. And with that, of course, there still remains a need to keep a lot of hospital beds and ICU beds in particular open to deal with COVID-19. So just how do you balance that? How do you balance the need to keep beds open for potential coronavirus outbreaks while also making sure people are getting the required surgeries that they need? Very carefully. So first thing we're doing is it's taking longer to do surgeries because we're doing, we have more requirements in terms of PPE, different requirements in terms of intubation and other things. So we're not able to do surgeries as quickly and that's a challenge, but we have to be prudent and careful for the people both um, doing the surgeries and the people and the patients who are getting surgery. So that's the first thing. I think the I think the second thing is yes, we have to maintain that capacity to deal with uh, COVID-19 in our hospitals, and that means um, uh, being smart about uh, increasing the hours we uh, we do surgery. Um, so we're going to be adding hours uh, in the summer and, and from then on, and and potentially on weekends in order to uh, do more surgeries right in a safe way with our existing facilities. Thirdly, where we have a Canada Health Act contracts, contracts with private clinics, we're using those as well, which we always have and which we'll continue to do. And uh, so we're essentially giving as much effort now to reducing these, to the surgery wait list that has come as a result of COVID-19 as we did to COVID-19. But we've got to balance it off, and we're certainly preparing as well for what we're going to do in the fall when we co- we're concerned about another surge of COVID-19, what we're going to do then and in the period leading into then to make sure we know what to do if COVID-19 comes to a hospital, one. And two, of course, to to um, to manage our medical system so that we can do both um, uh, surgeries and deal with COVID-19 at the same time. So it's a big challenge, but I think our our, our medical teams are up to it at Royal Inland and everywhere else. Uh, but we're going to have to be prudent and we're going to have to be safe. And uh, one more question here for you, Minister Dix. Uh, just in talking about, I know the, yesterday the federal government announced that the border closure with the United States for non-essential travel will be extended a month, right? It was set to expire today, uh, but that's going to be extended for another month. I know that's something that you personally had been calling for and our premier had been calling for as well. Uh, but just when we look at uh, what happened yesterday in terms of the global numbers of new COVID-19 cases, more than 106,000 new cases across the world, which was the single uh, biggest single-day rise uh, in a 24-hour period that has been recorded so far during this pandemic. I mean, just when we're talking about international travel and then also see those massive numbers, just how important do you think it is? And you kind of touched on this before, just to make sure that we are, um, you know, 
not inviting people in because uh, it's really, really tough and really challenging, I think, and, and probably fearful if we start seeing people coming in from other countries, especially when we're seeing massive amounts of new cases. Well, that's right. And we know, for example, in long-term care, Metro Vancouver, the reason it really came to Metro Vancouver and not to other parts of the province is in part due to the fact that a lot of our transmission came from Washington State, from people from B.C., and it feels like a constitutional right sometimes of going down to Washington State to shop or to work or to do whatever they will do in Washington State, and that really affects Metro Vancouver more than anywhere else parts of the Kootenays as well, uh, to, to Spokane. To Spokane. So, um, uh, you know, we saw the impact of that in transmission here. We saw the impact of one dental conference where people came from around the world to the spread of COVID-19 in BC, 87 direct cases of people who were at the conference and um, a significant number of indirect cases. So what we're doing, uh, what I believe, is that the United States um, still has a significant problem that with COVID-19 that seems not to be handled as well as it might be. And we're hoping it is. We're hoping what they're doing is going to be successful for them because, you know, they're our neighbors and our friends. Uh, but I don't think we're ready yet to have visitors from Canada go down to the United States and come back. I don't think we're ready for visitors from the United States. And this is true for other jurisdictions. And in BC, in addition to that, we're taking, we've taken steps that really no one else took earlier than everyone else has considered them to ensure that people self-isolate when they return. Many Canadians live abroad and they're coming home to Canada at this time. And we've got to continue to ensure that they're self-isolated so that we don't increase transmission here. What we don't want to see is a relaunch of COVID-19 in communities um, now or during this period when we're trying to open up our economy a little bit. So we've got to continue to take those measures we need. No no um, gatherings over 50 people, um, limiting uh, people coming into Canada, ensuring that if people, Canadians return to Canada, they're self-isolating for two weeks. These are basic measures that I think need to continue for some time. Well, Minister, thank you so much for your time here today. Really do appreciate it. And uh, again, like I said, thank you for coming on here on a weekly basis. It's been uh, very informing, so thank you. Hey, great. Thank you, Jeff. That was British Columbia Health Minister Adrian Dix. All right, well, i got to take a quick break here. And when I come back, I'm set to be joined by the past president of the Kamloops Legion, Craig Thompson, to talk a little bit more about this morning's ceremony to honor Captain Jennifer Casey of the CF Snowbirds. I'll be uh, back in just a little bit, so please stick around. opinion. Call or text 250-374-5345. Find us on Facebook or on Twitter at Radio NL News. This is Jeff Andreas on RadioNL.com. All right. Thanks for being with me here today and welcome back to the Jeff Andreas Show. The Royal Canadian Legion here in Kamloops and 886 Wing Overlander Royal Canadian Air Force Association did hold a ceremony this morning at the CF5 Memorial at the Kamloops Airport. It was a beautiful ceremony to honor the uh, Canadian Snowbirds as well as Captain Jennifer Casey who of course died tragically on a Sunday and uh, Captain Richard McDougall is recovering in hospital. I'm joined on the line now by uh, First Vice President of BC Yukon Command of the Royal Canadian Legion and past President of the Kamloops branch. It is Mr. Craig Thompson. Craig, thanks so much for taking the time here. Thanks very much, Jeff. 
So I, I just want to start by, uh, you know, maybe getting a, a quick word from you on, on the, the way things have been received here today. I mean, we talked briefly before we came on live here, and you said some 90,000 people from as far away as the United Kingdom were tuned into today's ceremony via live stream. I mean, just what does that show you about how much people are really caring about this story and the tragic loss of life that we saw on the weekend? Well, I, I think it speaks volumes, and, and nothing else can be said about it that many people that are that interested in captain casey and captain mcdougall and the snowbirds in general uh what a what a wonderful tribute uh to have that many people across across the world and um to be tuning in on that it it, it just goes to show where the snowbirds are as far as popularity wise and 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 how well known they are across the world um not just here in Canada, and uh, I, I think it's absolutely wonderful. Uh, when you when you see you know the numbers like that, and, and you see today's ceremony and how well it has been received, and then you just look at even the memorial that's set up at the airport itself along the fence there, and just how big that has grown here over the past four or five days. I mean, how does that make you feel as someone who, of course, is, is really involved in, in the local legion here? Uh, it, it swells my heart. It really does. I mean, my... Um, I took a kick in the gut on uh, Sunday when, when I learned of the crash and, and, of course, the fatality. But to see the outpouring of tribute from just the people in Kamloops uh, in, in, in showing along the fences by the airport, it's just absolutely incredible. And, and it just goes to show that And every time I've done a Remembrance Day ceremony and, and spoke about it afterwards, I... I'm always amazed at how Kamloops supports the veterans in this community. And this is another show of support for the Canadian military and, and the people that serve in uniform. How challenging was it for you and your members who were going about putting on and organizing this ceremony here today? Just how, how difficult of a process has that been here to kind of go through what happened, of course, on the weekend and take it to this point? I mean, uh, it's got to be a real challenging and a real difficult thing to put together, but something, of course, that you really wanted to do. Well, it, it didn't take us long to determine that we wanted to do a tribute. Um, and, it, it you know, to do a tribute to eat, you get a few ideas, you put them together, uh, you, you kind of make it uh, sensitive towards that particular tribute. The biggest challenge I think we had was um, we had originally and probably mistakenly invited the general public to this. Um, and, of course, yesterday we had to say, whoa, please, no public here. It, it's it's getting overwhelming. Um, and... Uh, we, we just, because of the social distancing, uh, we, we were overwhelmed at the amount of people that were planning on coming out. And, and we just had to say uh, at the, of course, the um, suggestion of Interior Health that maybe we should ask the public not to come. Uh, and, and the public uh, helped us very much that way by, by not coming. Um, and, and it, yeah, I, I think things went very well today. Uh, the tribute um, to to the snowbirds and and their personnel, um, yeah, it just shows what Kamloops is all about. 
Well, Craig, I really appreciate the fact that you, uh, you know, helped put this thing on today. I think it was uh, really well done, and it's been obviously really well received. And I really appreciate you coming on and, and providing a little bit of context here to just how difficult it was to put together, but also how important it was for you guys to do that. So thank you so much for doing that. I know the people of Kamloops really appreciate it. Unfortunately, we weren't able to go and really attend in person. I think it, had that been the case, you probably would have seen thousands of people out there, hundreds at the very least. And of course, uh, unfortunately, we're in a time where that can't happen. But uh, really do appreciate you making that available online and I know a lot of people appreciate that as well so thank you so much and Jeff I have have to say that the media in this community and, and around this province has just been absolutely fantastic in regards to not only supporting us and putting this tribute together but in bringing the story of, of Captain Casey and Captain McDougall and the snowbirds uh, and keeping them dear to our heart here and I, I have to thank all of the media in Kamloops as well from the Royal Canadian Legion. Well, thank you so much. Uh, really appreciate everything. So we'll, we'll keep you in our minds and our hearts, as, of course. Thanks again. Thanks, Jeff. All right. That was uh, Craig Thompson of Kia's, of course, the uh, first vice president of BC Yukon Command of the Royal Canadian Legion and past president of the Kamloops branch. And uh, yeah, just uh, you can still watch that ceremony. It is posted now online to the Legion Facebook page. So if you didn't get a chance to watch it, uh, you can still go back in time and, and watch it there. So uh, really beautiful ceremony this morning. And I encourage everyone to, to take a look if, if you haven't been able to see it. Well, that about wraps things up for me here today. So I want to thank all my guests for joining me and thank you to all of you for listening. And remember, whether you join me for a short while or a long while, just know I enjoyed our time. While it lasted, I'll be back here on Friday at noon.